Tony Chitch. <laughs> Thanks so much, team. That was beautiful. Mingers, um, what a legend. Yes. We are blessed, we are a blessed church with the young that we've got in our presence. So I have to say we are blessed. And so many years, I was, thank you, just killed it this morning. The whole worship team did, but top notch. What a blessing you are to us. So good. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Avril and I am part of the team here at Kingsway. Uh, I have been for a long time, so for most of you, you've been part of my life for a long time, and I love you very much. But for those who I haven't met yet, I'm excited to meet you. I'm excited today to spend some time with you and to actually engage in the Word of God this morning. So what I'm hoping that we will do today is, is pay attention, that we will take this moment and take this time to be still that we will actually treasure these few minutes together in all of the busyness that we are engaging with in life at the moment and actually reflect upon the season that we are in. That would be my greatest prayer for you this morning, that you don't race away, that you choose to engage and to pause and to linger here. I've been reflecting over the last few weeks on, on my calendar, as I'm sure most of you have. And it has been a really interesting season because all of the things that usually mark the Christmas season for me have been completely interrupted. So all of those markers that help me feel the Christmas spirit aren't actually there or they've happened really late or they have changed in some way. So I feel like this season has completely taken me by surprise. It has crept up on me. And a few weeks ago, my family said, we're going to Westfield Miranda. It was the last place on earth I wanted to be. I am not a shopper. Unlike most people in my family, I do not like to just go and wander the shops. I am unusual in my family in that way, but I made myself do it because I knew that if I didn't, there would be a real, I would miss something. I wasn't engaged in the season we were about to be in. I felt like I was in August and I was about to start December. So I made a really deliberate decision to go with my family and to wander around Westfield Miranda. I needed to position myself in a place to shock me into realising that this is Christmas. I needed to hear the songs. I needed to see the tinsel. Okay, I needed to be in that environment because I was missing the markers in my life that tell me that Christmas is coming, that holidays are coming, and I had not bought a single present. So I knew that I needed to position myself in a place to feel the spirit and to actually get started on the tasks that they were doing. And I'm wondering if there are people in our community who need to do the same. Not go Christmas shopping, although if you haven't started yet, it might be time. This is a friendly reminder. 
But I'm talking about actually taking the moment and recognising the season we're in. Because what a heartbreak it would be for us to wake up in the middle of January and realise that we hadn't taken the moments to recognise that Jesus was born and the impact that has on our life today. Last week, Dave spoke about out of John. He talked about abiding. And so let's choose to abide today. Let's choose to abide today. Because at its centre, this holiday is not a struggle. It's a celebration. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. There is plenty for us to do, but there is also plenty of us to worship, plenty for us to be grateful for, plenty of opportunities to engage in worship. Now in John chapter 15, we learn about what it means to abide. And at the end of this teaching, Jesus actually connects this idea of abiding to joy. And he says, if you actually choose to reflect on me, to stay close to me, to, to, to let me prune you, to let me be your source of life, you will have joy. And not just joy, my joy. And not just his joy, overflowing joy. And in this Christmas season, we are given so many opportunities to pause and reflect on why we have it, and the result of that is abiding, overflowing joy. What a gift. What a gift we have been given in this season to actually reflect on the true miracle that is, that is his life, his death, his resurrection and his relationship with you and me. It's amazing. Psalm 66 verse 5 says, Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. Come and see what God has done. In some translations it actually says, it will take your breath away. And I'm wondering if we can actually honestly say that at this season, at this time, in this moment, as we pause and we reflect on who Jesus is, why he came and what he's done for us, that we can say, it takes my breath away. It takes my breath away. In Hebrews 12, God is referred to as a consuming fire. Some translations say a consuming light. God is called light in a number of places in the Bible. And it inspires us to worship with reverence and awe. Reverence and awe. Awe is a reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. To be wonderstruck and left speechless. It is a response that we have that doesn't come from our head, it comes from our gut. It comes from our gut. 
Come and see what God has done. It will take your breath away. There will be a gut response if we choose to come, if we choose to pause, if we choose to reflect, if we give God the time and the space that he deserves in this season to actually recognise who he is, what he has done for us. It will take our breath away. He is a consuming fire. He is a light. He provides life. He provides direction. He provides joy. He provides freshness. The, the, the um, Christmas parable we based our, our um, series on is a new and glorious morn. A new and glorious morn. We sang that this morning. God is the light in Let's not be quick to move away on reflecting on Jesus. Let's make sure we grab a hold of God in both our hands in this season and actually give him the time to look full in his face and actually acknowledge the wonder, feel the awe of what this season actually means for you and for me today. Truly abiding in him, staying close and worshipping him in spirit and in truth. Knowing the overflowing joy of God as we do it. And I'm wondering this week what you are doing or what I am doing to choose those spaces. What are you doing this season to ensure you are not running, but to ensure you are slowing, you are abiding, and that you are actually facing Jesus and acknowledging who he is and what he's done? Are your eyes, heart, mind, and ears open to knowing the wonder? Are you choosing to come and position yourself so that you can explore once again the brilliance of this season? I am, I have the incredible privilege of spending time with young people. And every Christmas, it is the most exciting event that ever happens. Dick, who last Friday, I got to sit with a whole bunch of young people and actually get excited about Jesus and the season with them. And you could have heard a pin drop. And I realised at that time that what they were doing was they were actually experiencing the wonder of the season and honestly reflecting on what that meant. And my, my challenge as I get older is not to take the stories that are so familiar with me as just familiar stories, but to actually deeply reflect, feel, and acknowledge them as if they're for the first time. Because church is about participating, not performing. 
It's about hearing what God is saying. It's about thinking again, afresh, anew, with eyes of the kids and actually engaging in the wonder of the Christmas story and choosing to participate out of reverence and awe from the gut rather than just checking things off our list and doing what we've always done. Now, if people know me well, they will know there is one Christmas carol that I do not have time for. I do not. And if Chrissy was here, she'd shout it out at me because it's, I've made myself known about this particular Christmas carol. A rum pum pum seriously. There was no drama boy at the birth of Jesus. Why are we singing about him? And I've always had this really big feeling about this particular Christmas carol. And I was just so, it does not have a place in my Christmas playlist. It just does not. There is something about it that just, just really bugs me. But God, I think, has a sense of humour because a few weeks ago, this lyric just would not leave my mind. And so I turned it on. I found a version that I liked and I started listening to it over and over and over and over and over again. And I could not stop listening to this Christmas parable. Because the for the drummer boy in the story, what he was doing was he was bringing all he could give. He was choosing to participate in the Christmas story. He was taking all he had and from his gut he was responding to the excellent gift of Jesus. What a challenge that is for me. Needless to say, my opinion of the song has changed. All I can give, all I can give, that God would send his son, that I get the chance, thousands of years later, to still participate in this. I can, I can be hard on her. I was reflecting on Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And let me read this to you. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. In some verses of translations, sorry, not the verses of some translations, it says, Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the cultures around you. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring a total uh, transformation, reformation to the way you think. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. There is a physical response that God is calling us into, the act of worship. We are called to be participators. 
not performers. For performers, it's about what people can see on the outside. For participators, it is an inward gut heart response that what causes movement. That causes movement. So, what does participation look like? I would love to read you a story from the Bible. Get my Sunday school, Sunday school Bible. Um, John chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. So we're not going to start in the Christmas story right now. We're actually going to jump forward in Jesus' life. Let me read this to you. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, but then he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honour. Martha served. Martha served. Who are you, Martha? I love Martha. And Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Let's just stop and take a moment with that thought for a second. There was a party. Jesus was invited. And the man who had just raised from the dead was eating with him. Just feel the weight of that thought for a second. The man who had been dead, who Jesus had raised from the dead, was sitting beside Jesus and having a good meal. There is wonder in that thought. There is wonder in that picture. And Martha served. I really do. Don't ever think, church, that acts of hospitality and service are not worthwhile. I love that Martha was still serving. What a privilege it would have been for her to bring a meal to Jesus in that moment. The joy she would have felt, not only to serve Jesus, but also her brother. It wasn't with her very, you know, earlier. Amazing. But the story goes on. Then, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house, the house, is filled with the fragrance. What a shocking moment. If Mary was performing, she would have been helping her sister, she might have been, I don't know, enjoying a conversation. She might have just been having a nice moment in the background. But nothing, I believe, nothing that Mary did in this moment was performing. She had a gut response to Jesus. There was nothing she could do. There was nothing she could say. She was without words. Awe and reverence. She was without words. What do we do when we are without words? There is a gut response, I believe, that Mary felt that caused her to act and participate in such an extraordinary way. He was the man who she had seen raise her brother from the dead. So she took the most expensive 
liquid she could find. And she chose to participate in the most extraordinary way, in the most extraordinary way, because words were no longer enough. They were no longer enough. If we choose to participate, it's not always going to look the way people think it should. It's a difference, I think, between performing and participating. Performing looks a certain way, we can expect a certain behaviour. But to participate means to actually respond from your gut, to respond out of pure awe and reverence and wonder and engage in what God is doing. And Judas Iscariot, this disciple who was super trained, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. See, for Jesus, in that moment, I don't believe anything was overly shocking. He understood. He understood that it was a gut response that Mary was choosing to participate and not just give what she a little bit. She gave everything she possibly could, everything she had, the most expensive thing she could give. She chose to do it. She chose to give it. She chose to kneel in front of him. She chose to wipe it his feet and her hair. Participation, not performance. And if we flick back, backwards in time, we jump backwards in time to Matthew, the first few chapters of Matthew, and we pick up the story of Jesus on his birth, we see another gut response. We see people choosing to participate, not perform. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, we read the story of the wise men, the magi, who come to Jesus. They come in search for the king. They come in search for the king. They travelled a long time. They knew a lot of information. They were on a quest. And they obviously had a bit of status because the first place they went to was the palace. Because if you're going in search for a king, you go to a palace. And they, they spoke with the king and the king got upset because he didn't want to be, you know, he didn't want any rivals happening. He didn't want anyone thinking there was another king in the neighbourhood. And the wise men, the Magi, were able to collect the information they could and they moved on. And in Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 to 11, it says, When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They were filled with joy. They entered the house. These men had gone to a palace. These men had spoken with royalty. And yet when they stood in front 
of a very humble home, incredibly humble home, and they saw the star, they were filled with joy and they went in. The contrast between who they were, come from, what they knew, their connections, their wealth, their learning, and what brought them great joy is vast. It's vast. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. These men have great wealth, great connections. They were expecting jewels, they were expecting royalty, they would have been expecting fine linens, beautiful, beautiful adorned palaces. And yet in the most incredibly humble places, full of straw and dirt, they were filled with joy and they were moved to participate. They were moved to bow down and worship. It was not what they were expecting. Yet there was something in their gut. They had to respond to what they were seeing. They had to participate. They had to move. The awe and the reverence they felt caused them to buckle their knees and worship a baby. In the most underwhelming environment. And then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They had come prepared with royal gifts. And at no point do I read in this, in this passage that there was even a hint of hesitation about giving royal gifts to such a humble man. There was a gut response to participate. There was awe and wonder involved in what they were seeing and experiencing and hearing, and they just had to act. But church, first they had to come. First they had to learn. First they had to position themselves in places to understand. They had to recognise the season. They had to pause and reflect. And then they acted from the gut. I wanted to share with you something really precious to me, actually. I don't know if we can get the picture up. Rocky, you are a legend up the back of me. I'm so proud of the way you've been helping out today. I wanted to share with you this picture. Let me give you a bit of a backstory while we're getting ourselves sorted. For those who don't know, I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for a well or close to 16 or 17 years now. And so I've seen a lot of children and spent a lot of time with a lot of children. And this is the season where we get a lot of presents. And it's lovely. And every time I get a gift, I'm wearing one today. Probably Stephen, a bit sparkly today. Had a little, little bloke arrive at church with a present for me. So I put them on. And so every day, every time a little person brings a present to you, it's the best present I've ever received. Okay? Let me just tell you. <coughs> it is the season of... Thanks. Thanks, Robbie. It's the season of hand-cream candles, 
and chocolates. All of those things are great. I love chocolates, I love hand cream, and I, I definitely burn candles. And for each kid who comes to me with a carefully wrapped present at Christmas time, it's the best moment for them. And I get excited. And we unwrap it together, and I hope it makes them feel like that I've just received the world from them. Because they look at you with these little eyes and this wonderful face, and you can just tell that this moment's really special for them. Really special for them. But this present I've had on my wall This present I've had on my wall for about six years. This little boy, this little boy, and he didn't have the resources. He didn't have the resources that the other children in my class had. He didn't have the financial resources and he didn't have the um, family support to have those moments with his teacher. And so I, I knew this and every class has kids like that in it. And so I always make a point of fussing particularly over the cards that the children write to me because they can usually do that fairly easily without having to, to um, invest too much, their families to invest too much. And this little bloke on a back on a piece of scrap paper from our scrap paper bin uh, wrote me his note and he left it on my table. And it says, Dear Miss Money, I wrote you this letter because you're awesome. Thank you very much. It's always nice to do that. I'm sorry I don't have a present, but as you say, you like the cards the best. And also sorry that this card is short, but this is all I have left to write. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He gave me everything he could. All the resources he had, he put into writing that note. He's quite a good artist, and so he drew me a little picture. Just like pencil. And there was no fuss, he left it on my table. It was, he didn't, he didn't want a moment. I, I wonder what that moment meant to him. I wonder if he was comparing what he brought with that, what the other children had gifted that year. But for me, it was the best present I received. And while candles are great and I use them, while I've eaten all the chocolate, while the hand cream, you know, does its best, this gift has been on my wall for years. I think when we come to Jesus at this season and we have a gut response to who he is, when we truly stop and we truly reflect when we truly let ourselves feel the awe and wonder. The most humble gifts will always be valued. They will always be treasured. 
Because it wasn't about the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. It wasn't about how expensive Mary's perfume was. It was the fact that they had in their hearts and in their gut knowing the awe and wonder that was before them and they chose to participate in it. And they gave their best. This little bloke gave his best. All that he had, he gave it. And so church, as we're stopping and we're reflecting, as we choose to come, as we choose to look, as we choose to experience the awe and wonder of the season, as we take that time to reflect on our worship, as we take that time to reflect on the offering and what we have to give, it is not about how much, it is about what's going on internally, in your gut, in your spirit, in your heart. That will always hold the greatest value, I believe, to God. In Luke chapter 21, we see this really clearly. Jesus is hanging in the temple. And people after people are coming and offering. They're offering a lot of money. And in walks this woman, this widow, and she puts two coins in the offering. And Jesus actually calls his disciples to him. And he says, would you look at that woman? She has given the most because it wasn't about how much, it was about the response. She gave everything. And it's her story that we can go back to the word and read down. It's her story that we are called to give on. It's not about the expense, it's about the response. One of my favourite stories in, um, in the narrative of Jesus' birth is that of the shepherds. And I've done a bit of reflecting and reading around the shepherds and quite a few people suggest that the shepherds were actually the lowest in the household. Okay, so there's a there's thought that the shepherds were actually the people who were of uh, the children or the elderly of the household. So we're talking about the people who probably don't really have, can't really offer much more to the running of the household except just being present and caring for the sheep. But then, these are the shepherds who are on the night watch. So they're not just the lowest, they, they may not have just been the lowest in the household or the, the least um, able. They're also the ones who had the night watch. So we're talking about the people who pulled the short straw. And isn't that a beautiful moment? Isn't it, doesn't that paint a beautiful picture of our God that these are the people that received the good news of Jesus? But The awe and the wonder that these people saw, felt, experienced caused them to act and participate 
I love it. Luke chapter 2, verse 16. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. They did not bring a present. They had not come prepared. They had absolutely nothing to offer this moment. They had nothing. But the awe and wonder of the season caused that gut response in them and they just had to participate. And so they made the move to go to this space where they could see it for themselves. And that action, that participation is recorded in our Bible. That we can actually know that they were moved to participate in this moment, and yet they brought nothing. Church, I think it's about coming as you are. Either with all that you have to give, or just simply as yourself. No matter how grand or how humble, no matter how much wealth status, position, can't just come. Allow the season to fill you with awe and wonder and participate. Psalm 65 verse 8 says, The whole earth is filled with awe and your wonders. When morning dawns, the evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. The whole earth is filled with awe and your wonders. I'd love to get the band back up. Church is not about the busyness. I think the challenge for me this year is about it's about institutions. It's about the coming and recognizing reason, knowing and feeling the awe and wonder, and choosing to participate. With as much or as little as I have to do. So, as we finish up this morning, I would ask that you take this moment. You would take this moment, that you would reflect, you would position yourself to know and receive. all that Jesus is and has done.